Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Emran Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by Applied Systems' Chris Kitchener, EIS's Rory Yates, and Aurora's Bijal Patel to talk about opportunities for artificial intelligence in insurance. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, I'm joined by Chris Kitchener, Vice President of Product Management at Applied Systems, Rory Yates, Senior Vice President of Corporate Strategy at technology platform EIS, and Bijal Patel, Co-Founder and Chief Technical Officer at Aurora. They're going to share their views on the impact AI will have on the insurance value chain. Should we fear or embrace the rise of the machines? Hi, Chris, Rory and Bijal. Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Hello, Hello, Emma. So, a reoccurring vision of the future of the insurance industry is that AI will potentially enable more precise coverage and pricing adjustments. Rory, when will this long-term goal actually be achieved? Uh, I think it's already started. Um, when it will actually you know, finish is, is never. I think this is going to be an evolving picture for, for the foreseeable future. Um, and I think the impact on all the things you mentioned and, and further, I think there's... Uh, a lot more that AI can do around how we form relationships with customers, how we develop new products and services in the insurance sector generally, um, and selfishly in, in my business, you know, how we actually produce technology. Chris, do you agree with that timescale and also the potential for AI? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the point is it's accelerating. So we've, we already, whether you're in the industry or not, we're already seeing the use of things like ChatGPT to go answer questions, whatever it be. We see in the Ukraine conflict, people using AI on mobile apps to, to crowdsource information. So we're already seeing it has landed. And um, I think Rory is exactly right where it, there isn't a, this is the date it finishes, but it just continues to evolve. And I think we, I mean, from a, from a vendor perspective, we're already seeing how we're accelerating that, where we're, you know, hackathons, small teams focused on this. Um, and I think the next phase is as we start to see it um, in, in applications, they're going to start to bring this to life for, for, for our industry. Bijal, are you seeing similar things in the industry? Yeah, I agree. I am. Um, so I think there's a difference between personal lines and commercial lines. Um, in the personal line space, AI and a subset of AI machine learning has been used for quite some years already. Um, It's been used for predictive modeling, um, for fraud analytics, for claims assessment, um, and it has already been used for product personalization already. I think in the personal line space, it will continue to accelerate with the um, exploration of more advanced uses of AI. Where I think it's newer is the commercial lines market, so that's my space. And from an insurer and MGA perspective in commercial lines, I think Um, the applications of AI is just beginning. So there's huge opportunity within the commercial line space. Um, The opportunity is much beyond personal lines because it's not only going to be used for data analysis and risk assessment, but also for the Uh, in things like the extraction of data from proposal forms or broker emails to um, the extraction of data from images. Um, Where it started in personal lines a couple of years ago, it's just starting now in commercial lines. Mm, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously so so much potential and growing all the time. Chris, I mean, you you touched on it there. Can you share with us how AI, uh, uh, 
for more examples of how AI is already being used by the industry to deliver benefits? I can, but just before I start, I think there's a really important point. It is so easy for us as sort of mm. technologists to get enamored by the word AI and talk about the value of AI. I think a really, really important point is that AI is only valuable when it's part of a connected intelligence system. So saying I have to do something and I'm going to go somewhere radically outside of what I do every day is not of any use to anyone. The value of AI when it is a co-pilot in what people do every day. So that I think is really, really important before we sort of get hung up on the individual items. But you know, um, Bijal's already talked about this um, auto population of, of data filling in forms, virtual assistants for claims management, um, sentiment detection, understanding how customers are feeling about how you're working and that can impact how you relate to them and how you talk to them. Um, the ability to think about how you optimize retention, upsells and renewals, these are all examples that we're starting to see and I think will develop and, and uh, mature over time. And, and the other thing about this as well is, maybe going back to my point about being careful not to be too enamored by this shiny object AI, I think a really key point to make from my perspective as I think about it from how it fits and works within our products, this is about augmented intelligence. You know, in your introduction, you said, are the machines going to take over? Um, I don't know that anyone sort of in this podcast thinks they will take over, but a different way to think about it is, are people, our brains augmented with AI? That's where the real value comes rather than AI somehow taking over on its own. Rory, would you agree? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think human in the loop is, is essential and, and to make it work successfully anyway. I often talk about, you know, to be to be more digital, you need to be more human. A lot of, a lot of what we do with AI at the moment in, in the personal line space, and I, I accept that point, I think commercial lines has a lot more uh, to go at with this uh, particular technology, um, is related to freeing human capital, you know, to putting people back to higher value tasks and also that they have a, a, an interrelationship with the machine. It's not a pure hypodermic you know injection of ai outcomes into the into the customer's experience necessarily so there's always a human in the loop i think as long as we continue to ensure that everything is best fit for hum humanity i think we you know we, we will stay on the right right track mm. so i do agree michelle would you agree and also what what do you consider to be the limitations of the current ai technology should you know are, are, should be we be worried about ai insurers or is it inevitable that we're all going to become Cyborg insurers. I feel. I feel that's what kind of Chris and Rory were alluding to. I'm there. not sure we quite went to that cyborg, cyborg. view, but sure. I, that, that's what I envisioned. So yes, Bijal, what, what what do you feel that are the limitations at the moment? So just before we talk about limitations, I think um, Rory mentioned the human in the loop, and I mm. completely agree with that. At Aurora, we're um, one of the first lead algorithmic underwriters um, in the SME space. And where we're different from others is we algorithmically underwrite the medium um, space, so mid-sized businesses that have traditionally been manually underwritten. And although we don't have underwriters in the process um, for individual risk assessment, we do have uh, portfolio managers continually monitoring the portfolio, tweaking the algorithms, and you do need that human in the loop. You won't ever have a situation where you've got an insurer solely run by a machine with no human in the loop. Chris, would you agree we'll never have just an AI insurer? Um, I'm not willing to go on record saying <laughs> never, but but I think I think the point about the human in the loop is really important. And, and you are, your question was about some of the limitations. I think the first one, which Bijal's really talking about with the human in the loop, is transparency. Mm. The, the principle of AI is there is this black box which issues wise edicts. The challenge with AI is we don't know why it has 
given that particular edict. And of course, when you start thinking about bias, so getting more technical about how you create these AIs, you train them. If you train them with bias information, often which is unconscious, you will lead to a bias AI. So transparency and bias are two things I think we have to be pretty thoughtful about. I think, you know, they're risks, but if you treat them with appropriate thoughtfulness, we can manage around those. Rory, would you agree it can be managed? It's a risk that can be managed. Yeah, and I think we've we've introduced the important topic, data. I mean, AI relies on it, and um, the, you've got to clean it and be responsible for that data. I think that's a, a really important point in this, and it, it makes the point that we made at the beginning, which is AI is part of this bigger ecosystem, and you have to have all the interconnected parts to make it work successfully. Um, and I would also, you know, I, I have a bias here because I, I launched a, um, a PAS 440 uh, for responsible innovation with BSI. Uh, it's been incredibly successful and, and they're looking at making it a standard. And I think we're going to get onto the topic of, you know, how do you make sure that that responsibility has been taken to, to make sure that it's built on the right, the right data foundations. I just want to comment on the point made about, you know, your business, Aurora. And, uh, you know, that was re- that's really interesting for me as a strategist. You know, what it's really doing is allowing them to access a market and service a market that perhaps you know having you know the usual traditional model wouldn't necessarily permit it. So this is all about you know the, the positive side of AI. You know, we're, again, we're freeing human capital, we're freeing an opportunity in a market, and they're they're doing that using that technology, mm. um, which which definitely kind of leads us on to kind of like the risks and rewards. And one of the rewards is surely that AI opens up the market and allows. Um, the market to perhaps service um, groups of individuals or commercial organisations that previously perhaps weren't served by the industry. Would you agree, Michelle? Yeah, definitely. So the better understanding of the customer, better understanding of the risk profile, because AI and automation gives you the ability to analyse a large amount of data really quickly, allows you to access customers you couldn't access before because insurers have a better understanding of the customer. They're then able to price and underwrite for those customers and increase their capacity so that's really important and that's something we focus on at Aurora is reducing underinsurance. Um, the other side of that also for customers and brokers is um, if you've got a better understanding of the risk profile, it not only helps the insurer but it also helps the customer. So we can provide education back to the customer that they didn't didn't have before. So we can educate them on the risk profile that they have at a very granular level to a high degree of accuracy. And that helps educate them on the risk they face and the insurance they may need. So it's both, it's helping everyone in the value chain, the insurers, the reinsurers, the claims handlers, and the customers and brokers. Chris, would you agree that those are the risks and rewards? Well, I mean, in terms of rewards, absolutely. But I I, I wanted to sort of go down a slightly different, more mundane route, because this is the one that when new technologies come people often neglect and that is making people's life faster day to day the 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 art of doing business in terms of you know faster simpler workflows for brokers because the right information is in front of them at the right time they need to draft emails to people and the ai helps them so i think there's this sort of transformational way of enabling the insurance industry but there is also the more mundane which if we do it right doesn't feel like AI. It is just the thing I need is in front of me when I need it. I think it's those two things which actually have overall quite an important impact on the whole industry. Vijay, would you agree? I mean, massive rewards in terms of customer experience. Yeah, I definitely agree with the rewards, but I think um, something that was just mentioned about um, the focus on getting the foundations right, I think that's really important at Aurora um, and across the market. I think 
uh, a lot of people ask us about AI and te- and uh, new technologies, but it's really about getting the foundations right. So understanding um, for all of these complex risks, what is the risk assessment process? What is the underwriting, the pricing process? Automating that, ensuring your algorithms cater to the full complexity, and then on top of that, applying um, new technologies like AI to optimize those processes. So getting your data right, getting your foundations right, the risk decision engine correct is more important at this stage um, than implementing AI because there's a risk there of implementing AI before you're ready. So uh, we've seen that with machine learnings, machine learning models in the past. If you apply advanced algorithms on rubbish data, you'll get rubbish output. So you need to focus on getting the foundations right first and then applying the more advanced technologies. Rory, would you agree with what Chris and Bijal have said about the rewards? But I mean, I'm also going to pick your brains here. I mean, a clear risk is that you need to understand what the AI is doing if you're implementing it in your business. And how do you go about kicking the tyres and making sure it's not a risk or it's a risk that you've managed correctly? I think accountability, responsibility is is essential. And I think there are ways of, of building AI. And I think actually the description of building in the right foundations is absolutely right. And if you've taken all the responsible actions that you would need to to ensure the data is right and sure that you're treating it in the right way I think you're probably going to head in the right direction but it's not uh, you can't just be cursory about that I think there's too many uh, people in the industry still sort of advocating that it will be okay we've got this I think we need to have uh, some accountability I think we've seen today uh, the science community there's a lot of questions about how AI is issuing you know scientific papers and um, there was a, there's a legal case out now where it's not disclosed that AI was used in the, in the making of that paper and what impact it had on the scientific research and we'll see similar in our industry there's no doubt if we don't take the right actions to ensure you know and this is actually about disclosure in that in that particular case it was actually about just disclosing the fact that AI had been used you know there's got to be some standards and, and some sort of shift in transparency mm. Chris, I think do you feel on, on transparency I mean we've come a long way from um, IT directors being you know having people come in and get the old CD-ROM out and put it in and be able to demonstrate um, the latest application. How, how, you are know. you trying to suggest something about my age? I, well, I no, it's my the, age, I, I remember. I did have CD-ROMs. No, but I, yeah. I think this is there's, there's another piece. So we understand AI, and so I think all of the risks we've talked about in terms of transparency and, you know, what you do with data, I'd argue that's what AI experts talk about. I actually think there's another piece that's really important, which is the industry needs to understand what this is. So when we say these are the risks, that's because we're some of the people developing the AI and implementing it. But what about the people on the ground who need to understand? And and here's a simplistic example. ChatGPT takes data that it is given to increase and improve its model. And so what we found is organizations have said, hang on a minute, someone in my organization was using proprietary data to ask a question. The question was answered, but then someone asks a similar question and gets proprietary data. So just these simple principles of understanding how AI works, I think that that is, I don't know whether it's a risk, but I think it's an important thing to say. There's an education. We don't need to explain to people how word processes work. They, that isn't important, but understanding the principles, the basic principles of AI, so that people can make their own thoughtful judgments about how they use it and how they engage with it and when they do and don't use it, I think that's something which we probably don't talk about enough. 
Mm. And would you, and do you think it will be increased that in the future the regulator will come and ask questions about the use of AI in businesses? One hundred percent. Yeah. And so I think I think th- going back to this sort of the black box idea we talked about earlier, I know that one of the areas of research that is actually going on is how do you take a black box and then start to reveal what's going inside the black box because people realise at some point someone is going to say my system says do not insure this person and that person is going to say you have to explain why you've come to that conclusion. So mm. um, more to be done on that. Well, the ombudsman will expect an explanation when the complaint goes to there. Bijal, what's your thoughts on transparency? I think that's absolutely correct. And um, when we mention the regulator, I think another area that needs to involve, evolve is, the, is regulation itself. So as um, the application of AI involves, the technologies, evolve, uh, technologies used evolve, I think regulation will need to catch up and evolve at the same time to make sure um, customers are well protected. Um, at the same time, there's risks at the moment around deep fakes and um, the malicious, potential malicious use of AI generally out there in the world. Um, if it was used in that way in insurance, I think it's not just the applications of AI that will evolve regulation as well as fraud analytics and the protection of customers will need to evolve at the same time. Rory, what, what do you think? I mean, at the moment, I haven't heard of a deep fake fraud, but I'm sure it can only be moments away. We we, we must have had one. I mean, mm. honestly, we have to work on the assumption that we, we've had one. I mean, there is... Have, have you, you know, heard of the one where someone is phoned by his mother saying that she's had an accident needs to transfer yeah. money? That's one that was reported recently. So while not in our industry, if that isn't a good example of a deep fake... I and think that, yeah. that, that and there are there are a number know. in banking and and you know having a looking at fraud. I mean, fraud's a really good example. So we have a you know a, a detection capability, and we also work with all the other fraud capabilities in the market. We 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 integrate with all of them, and they are all using AI to a degree or machine learning techniques. Um, but there is probably good evidence that they're not keeping up with how it's being used in the in, on the malicious side. You know, I think fraudsters unfortunately are ahead. We still only detect one billion of the three billion of fraud. In insurance in in the UK, it's a good example though of actually why we need this technology. You know, that actually it's in the interest of people in in that context, and there are many others like like that. You know, there is uh, you know there are degrees of human error that we could avoid that have catastrophic implications for for people in insurance. And actually, we could avoid those. So there's all this other you know this is the argument we're having, isn't it? Which is there is a balanced view here. But to get to that, I think we do need accredited professionals. We do need transparency. We will see regulation come on, even for the regulator. I think that was the inference. Yeah, they could be using this technology to far better regulate the market. So you know, perhaps actually them stepping in and actually adopting the technology is going to give them a better view of how this should be used, but, but actually use it for themselves. It's interesting. We that There is a risk we treat this as something unique or magical when it is simply another technology has come along. I think the challenge we face at the moment is its novelty and the fact that it doesn't have as many parallels. So what a lot of what we've been talking about today is us understanding the impact in parallel with developing the technology. And I think that's the bit that is more challenging, but I really want to make sure people don't think of it as somehow something there's a genie in the box or something it is a piece of technology that is no different to any others and in five years time will have advanced our views but it will be like any other technology that will learn the mistakes and carry on mm. but also the technology is so quickly advancing as well so what the, the issues that we're talking about today i feel perhaps there'll be even there'll be different issues again in five years time um there's so much we could talk about in terms of ai today but i suppose to We've got limited time. So to conclude, um, Rory, I'll come to you first. How will it change the human face 
of the insurance industry. I think we'll continue to see you know us freeing human capital, reducing errors, you know, in in, in perhaps you know quite critical situations. I think on the employee side, we'll see a massive improvement. You know, we're already seeing when we apply the machine in the right way, claims handlers become customer experience managers and not just people who answer the phone, you know, and, and, and all these nice things will, will continue to happen. But we will also see, you know, requirement to, to you know, in regulation and uh, degrees of transparency that will be enforced on the industry and that will be healthy as well. Bijal, how do you feel it will change the human face of the industry? I think... Um as Rory says, it will reduce human capital, but I don't think it will completely remove the human fr- um, from the process. So the human will still be in the loop, but it will reduce the amount of people required, the amount of manual tasks required, and enable experts to focus on applying their specialist expertise and not having to, for example, look up different websites to find out more about a specific risk that has come in. Um, in addition, I think... We focus a lot, when we talk about automation and AI, we focus a lot on optimizing the operating um, costs or the operating ratio of of an insurer. But what I see as the real opportunity of um, technologies like AI is the opportunity to apply it to optimize both your operating and expense ratio and also your loss ratio. So it's when used in the right way, it can reduce your expenses and at the same time increase um, the accuracy of pricing, the accuracy of underwriting, the granularity of pricing and underwriting, which will in turn help you optimize your loss ratio. So I think if used in the right way and um, the right experts put on it, I think it will really help accelerate digitization, accelerate optimization of the insurance value chain as a whole. A more profitable industry with a better customer experience, possibly. Yeah. Chris, would you agree? What, what, how will it change the human face? Uh, I mean, I don't think I can actually add a huge amount beyond that. I mean, it, it enables people to be more customer-centric. You can take a load of administrative, low-value tasks out of, in our case, brokers' hands. Um, it, it gives those brokers another pair of hands. I think Bijal said it really, really well. From and at a high level, it's about giving brokers superpowers to go do more of what they do, do it better, have more time to do a good job. The, the only other thing which I was thinking cheats because it's not really the question you asked, which is the, the, the human face, but allows us to be more data centric. So we can do more with data. We can come up with better, more thoughtful insights. Now, while that's not the human face of the industry, but to Bijal's point, the whole thing is we can serve our customers better when we have that insight and we have that data. Mm. So will it create a super, so you didn't like cyborg insurers, will it create super data driven insurer, human insurers in the future? Not catchy enough. Oh. I think, I think, I think superpowers is as far as I'm going to go. I think like. we're a data intensive industry anyway. And, mm. you know, the, so I think it's just better use and, and of data, as, as you've said. And I, so I would agree. I mean, whatever the catchphrase becomes, it, mm. it certainly will involve a lot more data and a lot better it, use of data. Maybe the challenge is that there are so many opportunities because, you know, if we sat down and on a whiteboard wrote down every possible opportunity, we'd run out of whiteboard very quickly. So maybe the 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 trickier question is what are the most valuable, most profitable, most useful from a customer perspective because there is a lot of work to do on all of these. But I think it almost goes back to where we started, which is the sort of the conversation about when's it going to happen. Right now we are in that I don't know if this is a bad thing, Wild West Mm. of figuring that out. And so we're going to find lots of simple ways that AI can help people. We're going to find ways that actually aren't that useful at all, but have a flashing word AI next to it to get people excited. And over time, we'll develop much more sophisticated solutions. Bijal, would you? Are we in the Wild West? I'm not sure I'd call it the Wild West, but I see (laughs) see it as being 
incredibly exciting. Um, I'm in my day job now investigating the use of um, new AI technologies and the applications of it are just applications that mean you can accelerate propositions in a way you couldn't before. Um, so it's incredibly exciting. And another exciting area is a lot of propositions within insurance focus on optimizing different parts of the insurance value chain, but often internal to insurance. Whereas here, what what it gives us the opportunity to do is not only put a focus on data, but also put a focus on the end customer, which we often forget about um, when we talk about new innovation within insurance. So being able to analyze a large amount of data really quickly and use that in turn to optimize your pricing and underwriting that will then in turn potentially help you to um, give more fair and accurate pricing back to the consumer, educating the consumer about the risk they face, um, allowing the customer to be more involved in the process, have more personalized products, being able to um, accelerate product innovation to meet your customer needs as well. All of those opportunities for the end customer are really exciting. And I think um, a lot of uh, focus needs to also be put on to, to the opportunities we can give back to the end customer. So perhaps not the Wild West, but a new frontier with a massive horizon. Yeah. And as Chris pointed out, it'll be interesting to see not everybody on, not every cowboy on a horse will be able to, what was it, rush off in the same direction. So it'll be interesting to see where the industry heads on this. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Insurance Post podcast. I would like to thank Chris, Rory and Bijal for joining us and sharing their insight on AI and insurance. As always, also thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and X. Make sure you come back next week when we will be discussing how inflation and the Financial Conduct Authority's consumer duty transformed insurance in 2023. Until then, this is Emran Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital.